This is Joe Verisco of JRV Majesty Productions, and today we'll be listening to segments from an interview conducted by myself at StoryCorps at the Chicago Cultural Center with Jackie Boyd. In this next segment, Jackie Boyd talks about the foundation of Project Fair Chicago, a grassroots organization that seeks to establish housing on the south or west side for queer and trans individuals experiencing homelessness. The first thing that I want to say is I want to be very, very clear that within queer community, the people we should be focusing on and bringing to the center of community is queer and trans people of color and our street-based youth. Without question, we can all see, regardless of level of education, regardless of what your ethnic background is, we can all understand that those intersections of being queer, trans, and a person of color, or being uh, youth and being homeless, those are the people that need the most support, that need the benefit of our resources, if we're going to not, as I said, make the same mistakes. Um, So... Project Fierce was actually the brainchild of my very good friend, Cassandra Avenatti, uh, and she has been talking about it with me for about two and a half years. She's a fellow social worker, <laughs> and when she brought the idea to me, it rang so close to my heart because as I was growing up and realizing that I wanted to work with um, with um, youth in, in my life, I wanted to create an alternative to the system. So I worked for the Department of Child and Family Services for many, for a couple years. I couldn't do it for many years Mm -hmm. because it just stole my soul. Um, And what broke my heart about that system was that you have kids living in institutions and in in false settings. Um, And then you have a system that is supposed to protect them doing further trauma. So Mm -hmm. I would go to court thinking that my kids and their families, because they had been doing everything right, would finally have the opportunity to have overnight visits mm-hmm. or to you know, spend a couple hours together unsupervised. And then a judge wouldn't be there or a court reporter wouldn't be there. And the case would get pushed back six months or more. And how is anybody supposed to succeed and supposed to see the merit in continuing to do all these things you're asking of them if they're not able to move forward and actually reconnect as a family? Um, so I saw a lot when I was working for DCFS. I have three adopted younger brothers and sisters who I love dearly. And I realized that we can do better. We can do better. And that's, I think, uh, one of the many contributing factors to homelessness. When you create environments that are false or that are not family-based or that are not safe spaces, you're going to have youth on the streets. And What I personally, what I had been hoping to do was when I was much older and much more established in my 50s or 60s, have a house for young women of color. Mm. Um, Because I feel like there is so much potential for change within individual lives when you're create when you are in a safe, loving environment and told that you matter and given a space to make mistakes without the recrimination of being being ousted. Mm. Um, So. I've been thinking about that for a long time as well. So when Cassandra brought the idea of Project Fierce to me, it was just it was just amazing because here's an opportunity to affect change for um, LGBTQ homeless youth. You know what what better cause is there, and to do it without the str- restrictions of being part of a governmental system that you know is not going to work, um, and that's going to keep you from actually achieving achieving a fulfilling environment or a a loving, safe environment. Um, 
and it can be done for for relatively uh, re- uh, comparatively to other sort of behemoth organizations we're going to be able to do this at a much lower operating budget which i'm really excited about because you know we have to have money to make this run but mm-hmm. um you can do it by yourselves much more cheaply than you can as part of a system so uh, what we want to do is create is is secure housing um one house to start that will house eight to ten youth um LGBTQ homeless youth and with the idea that it'll be long-term transitional housing. So we know that you don't go from being homeless to being independent and ready to go live on your own in six months. You don't do that by continually relying on the shelter system or you can, but it's very hard. So if we can create a space where you have room to breathe, you have room to really start to dream for yourself and figure out what you want to do and what, how you want to make your way in the world. And we can do that for 8 to 10 youth to start. I mean, my goal with Project Fierce is to replicate. So to have a home, at least one home on the south side, one home on the west side. We need a lot more than that. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it's about decentralizing the Boys Town area. Right. Um, which also is, you know, I don't think necessarily um, figuring out those intersectionalities within our community the the best way or the way that I would like to see happen. There should be housing that I'm talking about in Boys Town, right? I would, I would absolutely agree with <laughs> right? you. Yeah, that should have been part of what happened with the center on Halstead. Um, that should be you know any number of places right. where we have bars and and other things happening. We should have at least one space where homeless youth can be housed consistently over time in Boys Town. We don't have it there. Let's make it happen elsewhere. So I'm really excited for this to happen and I can't wait for the house to be secured and for us to go about helping people change their lives. Yeah, I mean, I really like what you're talking about as far as decentralization goes. And and we've talked about before the importance of going to the people, mm-hmm. <laughs> going to where the people are, going to where some of the, the, the problems lie. And how do we um, how do we why is that so important? Why is it so hard to make happen? And it's the same thing that's happened in Boys Town. I mean, and I don't know what it is about. I think a lot of it is money. Like mm-hmm. when you have money, it insulates you and then you're scared of people who don't have money Mm. or people you know or like having it taken away from you or whatever i think that's you know in terms of like race class uh, whatever Mm -hmm. that's that's something that whether you're black whether you're white whether you're gay whether you're straight when you have money and you are living a certain type of lifestyle it is so hard to connect to people. So with Boys Town, I just want to say rather than the that is a perfect example of how rather than bringing the margins to the center. So rather than prioritizing queer and trans people of color and and primarily street based youth mm-hmm. were considered at best a joke and at worst a threat. So that is what's happening in Boys Town. That, that is very indicative of what's going on in the cultural dialogue within those spaces is that black trans folks are to be made fun of or to be feared. And that's bullshit. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be swearing, but that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 for real, though, for real, though. That's 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 really right. And and it's important to talk about those kind of things. And, and I don't know that a lot of people do know about those kind of things. And And yet we're the ones that create culture. Sorry. Yeah. Keep right. Going. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like our culture yeah. is what creates larger culture. It takes time, but it is stolen from us mm-hmm. and commodified. And that's what happens. So 
Anyway, sorry. No, 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 that, no. Yeah. That's, that's very, that's really great. And I think another aspect of that conversation is that um, because these, like, gay white men have these access to media and cultural institutions and, and various institutions in this way, that, like, they really get to control a lot of the dialogue around safety in particular, mm-hmm. um, right? And then that's that includes things like advocating for hate crime legislation, um, you know, that includes things like pain police officers mm-hmm. to have more police and um, having LGBT liaisons to the police and like gay officers alliance right like mm-hmm. this idea that these that these are the way that we need to build our community in order to create more safety when that obviously like create like when a lot of queer people of color have this incredibly adversarial relationship mm-hmm. to the police right mm-hmm. and I think that the, another aspect of that comes out in like when people's response to project fierce is like oh but that's not safe like mm-hmm. you're going to go into those neighborhoods that aren't safe mm-hmm. right. and <laughs> and i think there's something um that is really like i guess i would be interested in hearing your reflection on this but i would posit that i think there's something that's like fundamentally really racist and like shows just sort of shows that the racist underpinnings that the queer community has bought into in different ways that we've sort of believed that uh, that communities of color are inherently unsafe. No, you're right. It is racist. And it's about, it, that's well said, because it's about what, how, where we invest for people who have money, for maybe gay white men or, you know, folks who consider themselves to be middle class or whatever, where we invest our money is very important. For people who don't have access to those resources, where we invest our time is very important mm-hmm. because we only have so much energy and we only have so much time in a day, but we can all contribute. In this final segment, Jackie Boyd discusses how we as a community can educate others on privilege and the inherent challenges that that poses. So having a safe place where you can heal from that, so you can engage in conversations if you so choose, so you can educate if you so choose, you cannot do those things in a constructive way unless you are really solid and know who you are and how valid your experience has been because the first thing that people do when you try to educate them is invalidate your experience Mm -hmm. as a black person as a trans person as you know a queer person they say you know it's not like that no you're being you're being sensitive i think we've all probably heard that more times than we ever needed to (laughs) um so it's hard because that's what you have to do to be able to have those conversations and then what's sad but the only way that i've seen things change is through a personal connection through a relationship through what StoryCorps does which is share people's stories when they're being vulnerable and when they're willing to talk about the things that are that hurt us have hurt us and change our lives so i really believe that you have to be as a queer trans person of color you have to be solid in yourself have your community be validated and feel validated regardless of what you're facing or who you're talking to and then choose very carefully who you're having those conversations with and make sure that you're building personal relationships that there's going to be a return on in some way where the person you're speaking to is at least open enough to understand that as as a person you need for these things to change and then can go out and be a real ally and talk to other people in community, talk to their families, correct people when they're giving racist or classist or um, homophobic opinions and start changing culture that way. 
it's sad. I wish that it was it was a newspaper ad. I wish that it was a book. I wish it was a radio show. I really do, because then we would possibly have the ability to change things faster. But I have not seen that to be the case. This has been a JRV Majesty production and StoryCorps partnership.